All right, Pastor Mark here with Steve Deese from The Blaze. And first of all, uh, I want to have a kind of a, a general conversation. I love pastors. I love the church. I am pastor, a pastor of church. But um, it seems like a lot of evangelicalism is quickly sliding to the left. Mm -hmm. um, either soft woke, which is not so much, you know, celebrating the transgenderism and tr gender dysphoria. It's not what they're saying it's what they're not saying mm -hmm. you know so like they'll be doing backflips for blm and then roe v wade gets overturned and it's silence on the abortion issue right. so there is kind of that soft woke and then there's the the hard woke the i mean the you know the rainbow flag hanging on the church the lesbatarians you know those people <laughs> um, i'll be stealing that term later but you remember that please yes yeah. All right. um and so within that though um it seems like underneath it there tends to be at least in leadership some sort of fear or weariness mm -hmm. either a fear of what's going to happen or a weariness like i just can't handle the criticism and the attack and the pressure anymore um how do you deal with that i'm i'm working on the hypothesis that not everyone likes you and supports you mm -hmm. and rejection is like a part-time job right so I have a unique perspective on this, both because of the way I was raised, but also because I get to talk to a lot of your people every day. And so- People who drink whiskey and have enemies. <laughs> <laughs> I meant believers. Oh, okay, okay, okay yeah. So when, after they get done, after they, go to, after they see you guys on Sundays, the rest of the week, they're hanging out with me. Yeah. All right? And I mean, I get hundreds of thousands of evangelicals that listen to our show every day. And so- their feedback is how I am able to assess the level of discipleship and catechesis they are receiving on Sundays from guys like you because they get the meta message here and then they come to places, shows like mine for how does this worldview now get applied Work to what, Yeah, it, the, on the, and the applications yeah. of these things on a granular scale, right? Here are comments I get, have gotten frequently my entire career. Why don't I hear my pastor say the kinds of things that you say on your show? How come I get more Bible teaching on your show than I get at church? I, when I started doing this, I did not intend to actually teach theology on the show. Didn't think I was qualified for it. Wasn't what my calling, my position. But I realized I was asking people to act on an application that the premise had not been established. So we literally had to... So we, you're a Bible guy. I have, to, I have to teach Bible on my show now. I literally will do it. I mean, I will literally teach Bible. But even guys like Bible. Jordan Peterson are like, I know. I'm not sure I you know, believe in the big idea, but it's an amazing book. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, I literally have to do exegesis yeah. on my show yeah. now. I, I don't just do cultural commentary because the, the framework is not there. And, and I think, I, I, listen, I, I understand, I, I've, I've, it's called broadcasting for a reason. It's hard to take a narrow road to a broad audience. Mm -hmm. So I have one, I, I've got two charges from the blaze. Make us money, don't cost us money. All right, now, I love the blaze. There's a lot more to our relationship than that. But those are the two prime it directives. A it's a for-profit business, absolutely. And, and so they'll let me say anything I want, provided I make them money and don't cost them money. Well, I want to take this narrow road message and take it to a broad audience. How do I do that? So I understand the challenges that you face as a pastor, where if I say certain things, people walk out of. If I say certain things, people get alienated. I just lost 100 Twitter followers last week, but it's okay. I'll get 300 new ones next week. You know, if I, if I lived every day on the basis of someone's opinion, 
of, of is, is, or someone's opinion of me is based on my latest opinion on a matter, I, I'd be paralyzed. I'd never address anything. And I do think from my, my experience organizing pastors and churches politically in the past, I, I do think too many guys in your position, and it's a hard job. I wanna say that. It's a hard job. I wanna say a lot of guys in your position, yourself included, help, have helped make me the man that I am today. And I am eternally grateful for that. But, I, but similar to being in, I had a guy send me a note yesterday and ask me, hey, I'm thinking about running for office. What's your first piece of advice? And I told him, resolve that you don't care when it's over, that I don't have any friends. Otherwise, you will become what you hate. Mm-hmm. You'll become what you originally ran against. And I think that advice maybe applies to your vocation. If, 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 I, if I need the affirmation of the crowd, even a godly crowd, if I need their affirmation to feel like it was that what I did this morning, what I said on a Sunday was a success, I think the mob is fickle. We're going to ha- celebrate Palm Sunday here pretty soon. That's the ultimate example of the mob is fickle. All right, uh, yeah, Hosanna to the, to the son of David, crucify him. That was like in ten minutes. Okay, yeah. that's the ultimate example. The mob is fickle, and and I think that what helped me more than anything is I grew up in a home that was that was abusive. That was dysfunctional. Your mom was 15 when my she mom had was 15 you. when she had me. 14 when she got pregnant. Uh, she married my stepdad Dave. They dated for a, he was on a, he was a Navy shipman on shore leave. She, her, and my grandmother were managing a hotel over by Disneyland in Anaheim. They met while well, he, he took his shore leave there. They met, hooked up, fell in love. They dated for a week. She had no idea the demons that he had from he was by God bless him. He was raised in an abusive home. He had, he had no other framework other than what was modeled to him. And he just gave us a lesser version of it. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn at a very young age that the kinds of the, the, the safety, the security, the masculine affirmation and confirmation and discipleship that that I'm required. I, I need is required of a dad wasn't coming my way. And I had to learn how to live without a, we, I went to 11 different schools, K through 12, we moved constantly. So I learned how to be the new kid, how to be uncomfortable, how to not need approval and affirmation from people. Now. Well, howdy, it's Ashley Chase here, the executive director of Real Faith Ministries, which is my parents, Pastor Mark and Grace's Bible teaching ministry. I love getting to teach the Bible with them and distribute resources all over the world. When the rest of the world is going woke and uh, quite frankly, losing their minds, we are focusing on the truth of God's word that is unswayed by political and social trends. For those of you who pray and give to Real Faith Ministries, we are fully supported by ministry partners like you. Head over to realfaith.com to partner with us and access a mountain of free Bible teaching. Every dollar you give reaches 100 people with the gospel. It's pretty amazing. And as our thanks to you, we'll send you an ebook of my dad's systematic theology, which is called Doctrine. It's all about Jesus. It's a huge resource. No matter what questions you have about Christianity and Jesus, I hope it'll answer them. So again, just go to realfaith.com, give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you a copy. It makes me very good at this job. It doesn't always make me the best husband, frankly. Yeah, okay? relationally, I can see a downside yeah, yeah. off the mic. And, that, and, and, and not ironically, my wife became a therapist. <laughs> so how do She's I deal like, with I'm this? I'm tired of paying for this. <laughs> we're right. gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take care of this, this guy yeah. out once and for all. Yeah. Okay, but but I do think there's got to be a happy medium. You, you're not you're a pastor, not a provocateur. That's my job. Okay. Well, I have a part time job as a provocateur. Okay. Yeah. But but I understand that. 
And this is why I never got into ministry. I don't have the empathy. I don't, I, I don't have the heart to be at someone's bedside at 2 a.m. and to take those phone calls. And I think that takes a, an anointing that I don't have. I'm John the Baptist yelling at Herod in the street. That's, that's my calling, okay? So I don't, I don't want you guys to needlessly alienate people. But I, I do think sometimes, and, and certainly more often than most pastors currently do, you gotta push some buttons. If for no other reason, hey, is this on? Are we still awake? I mean, can you possibly be offended? No mm-hmm. one's, you haven't perfectly arrived. You're not living a perfect life with Jesus, otherwise he'd call you home because the work is completed. So clearly there is some area that, that's, that's shady, dark in your life. Let me push on that nerve a little bit because that's my job, because that's how we bring, that's what the salt is in the womb. It wound, it's a purifier, it cleanses the infection. That process stings right? When you come out of the darkness, think of when you come to a movie and you're in a pitch darkness for two hours, you get out in the sunlight, that searing light, it, it, it's, it's uncomfortable, right? But in the end, though, once you get, once you realize, okay, that warmth, that light, you open up to it. Yeah. That, the, it's, that process is not supposed to be comfortable. And what I see downstream from what guys like you do, all right, and so I get your people downstream. They come to your churches, they get all fired up, they hear the word, now we're get, what are we gonna do about it? When I get them downstream, you know what I see? People way too comfortable with being comfortable. And ultimately, the future is determined by conviction. Yeah. Every war in all of human history, physical, cultural, spiritual, has always been won by the side that had the most conviction in the rightness of its cause. In the last 50 years, an armpit of civilization known as Afghanistan kicked out not one but two empires, the Soviet Union and the United States. How did they do it? Because those Bedouins just wanted to own that armpit. They wanted to, they wanted to be in that country more than we wanted to be. Yep. That's how we became a country. How did we beat the empire that the sun never set upon, a bunch of ragtag colonials? Because in the end, the, we didn't actually defeat the Redcoats, Mark. They just left. They literally got sick of fighting us and went home. They were like, you know what? Who wants to die for New Jersey? I don't, but they do. <laughs> yeah. They want to die for New Jersey, so I'm going home. Yeah. They've made that point very yeah. clear. I don't want to do this yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's Bon Joviville. You can have it. <laughs> yes, indeed, all right? And so that's, yeah. I think conviction is what is lacking amongst our people. There's a lot of positions, not a lot of convictions. And I think those convictions have got to be inspired and instilled before you get to where I'm at by people like you. Well, and and I... I would say in closing, I think for the average pastor, what has happened is the pulpit is supposed to be a prophetic place that gets above it all and speaks to it all. And instead, the pulpit has become controlled by the donor base, has been controlled by the board, has been controlled by the staff, has been controlled by the ordination or the denomination or the abomination, depending upon the denomination. <laughs> and, uh, and the result is what you get is you get you get a message that sounds like a political speech written by competing constituencies rather than a word from God. Mm -hmm. And so I think what is happening, it's kind of curious with talk radio and the internet and political discussion. I think that prophetic movement, that voice operates more in places like you because you don't have a flock. Mm -hmm. And when you have a flock, then all of a sudden, whatever you say, you've got to deal with the relational Mm -hmm. implications of Mm -hmm. the flock. When you just broadcast, you it's a bunch of Twitter trolls and bots and you know purple-haired people. Mm-hmm. And but at the end of the day, they're not friends with your kids, and they're not going to you know attack your wife. And that's where I think the local church is in a 
unique position. But I think we are quickly arriving to the point where the average pastor is getting attacked and criticized and pressured, even when they say and do nothing. Mm -hmm. So you may as well. No, no doubt. You yeah. may as well say and do something. Absolutely. You know, earn the spite for goodness sakes. You're going to get it anyway. At least earn it. Yeah. And at yeah. least have stories to tell your grandkids right. that you fought for something. And you yes. weren't an even jellyfish. Yes. That, and that, I think that's a key thing too. And I, I, especially to the men, I would say we are so, we are, we are wired to be outcome oriented. What is the end game here? And two things that, that have, have kept me, there've been plenty of times I'm almost blown this. Plenty of times I almost walked away. Plenty of times I got tired. Plenty of times I, I, I either did or wanted to do something morally stupid because I just wanted to justify it because I'm making all these, comp all these sacrifices. Other people compromise and get ahead. Maybe I should compromise, right? All those things, if you're in a position like what I do for a living, you've, in any form of leadership you have faced. Two things that keep me going. Number one, I, you kind of touched on it a second ago. I want to be able, if this thing does go to hell, I at least want to be able to tell my kids and grandkids, with the platform that God gave me, I fired every missile, no wasted ammo. I fired every bullet I had. I did everything I could so that at least my conscience, and I didn't, I didn't keep quiet so you could have a nicer house and, and I could give you a bigger down, help with your down payment on your first house or so we could go on another cruise. I fired every bullet I had. The second thing is when my kids put me in the ground, I want my kids to be able to say about me what Paul says about himself to his spiritual son, Timothy. I want them to be able to say at my funeral, we saw the old man literally with his knickers down, literally growing up in the house and figuratively when he fell on his face. He was not perfect. He was not always, not always as the saint maybe that some of you think he is or the villain that some of you think he is. But here's what we can say. He fought the good fight. He kept the faith and he finished the race. And I am confident that if my kids can say that about me at the end, that it means that I will then get to hear from my, from my Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think that's something for us as men, when we're in positions of leadership, and all of us are, even if it's just as a husband and a father, look at what is the end game, because the end game will arrive one day. None of us physically live forever. We will arrive at the end of the destination. And what do we want that end to look like? And then reverse engineer everything up until that point from that point on. Amen. I'll leave it there. Thank you, brother. You bet.